Let us pray. God of love untamed, we thank you for the life and legacy of St. Francis of Assisi. Like Francis, teach us to open our hearts that we may be with the sick, that we may seek justice for the impoverished, that we may seek an end to war and a connection with all that is and was and will be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Writing the canonical exams before ordination, as I did over the summer, required me to reflect on my past, to look back over my life's journey, and to describe what grounds me, both spiritually and at vulnerable times in my life. I began my answer with a bit of a personal revelation. I began by relating a time when I was living in Connecticut while I was a professor at University of Connecticut teaching public law. This is what I wrote. On a crisp November morning when I was 40, living with my husband and toddler in Connecticut, I received a call from the director of my son's child care center. They had just contacted Child Protection Services to report their suspicions of domestic abuse and were advising me to do the same. If I didn't, I risked losing custody of our son. I wasn't surprised. For several days leading up to Thanksgiving, the child care staff had been asking me pointedly about how things were at home. So, when I answered the phone, I wasn't shocked. I was stunned at that moment into the truth that I was in a situation that I couldn't fix on my own. That call resulted in a five-day stay at a battered women's shelter and set in motion a year-long series of events that led to separation and reconciliation, anger management and marriage counseling, social workers and child custody hearings, and ultimately divorce court. More than 20 years ago, when these events shattered my life, I never thought I would write about what happened or could even speak of it. The losses left a hole that loomed as large as a moon crater, which I couldn't face. Finally, though, I had to look into the abyss because I couldn't live fully without reconciling my own feelings of pain, shame, guilt, and failure, of course mixed with relief and optimism for the opportunities that were unfolding for me in my native California, where I returned after my divorce. Not then, but some years later, I finally accepted that I was struggling not only with recovery from trauma, but that I was in the throes of a disease called clinical depression. Even though I didn't want to accept it, the risk of catastrophe for those whom I loved and who loved me, not to mention myself, was high. And better mental health was not something I could attain by my own striving. This odyssey of marital abuse some 20 years ago was the autobiographical note I used in my exam to begin to explain what spiritually grounds me. 
My church community in Connecticut, much like this one, it was a university chapel and had a vicar chaplain. That community was my beloved community, and they walked with me on that leg of my journey. They helped me carry my burden. Very little learning goes on during extremely stressful times, but I realize with hindsight that my community sustained me in countless ways, including by introducing me to a very important prayer practice. At a retreat, I learned the Ignatian spiritual exercise and the tool of imaginative prayer. A practice of spiritual self-renew called the examine was shaped or has shaped my personal prayer life ever since. At the end of the day, I reflect on one or two of my daily encounters or activities, and I ask myself, where did I give or receive love in this interaction or activity? When did I withhold love? What activity or interaction gave me the greatest high? Which one made me feel low? My response is to contemplate where God showed up in the day, where I could feel the movement of the Holy Spirit. Learning to be more aware of the winds and wares of my daily experience of the Divine Presence has helped me to stop living on autopilot. It can put me in touch with spirit-filled moments that at first might pass as insignificant, but in which I can experience the rich variety of ways that God's presence is made known. As the Franciscan monk and mystic Richard Rohr tells us, if we stay with these daily apparitions, we see that everything is a revelation of the divine, from rocks to rocket ships. That beloved community in Storrs, Connecticut, helped me with my burden. During a time when I didn't want to face the truth, nor did I think I could, they helped me. They envisioned and embodied for me the steady and increasingly intimate revelation of divine love along a, a trajectory that was there from the beginning, but I didn't see it. In the Gospel today, which is Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30, Jesus offers to carry our burden. First, he invites us to move closer to the God who dwells in our hearts. The one that knows us most deeply is not moving away from us, but is coming to us, offering unconditional love. We can be fully seen and trust that the eyes that see us are the eyes of forgiveness, compassion, and unconditional acceptance. What a joy it is to be fully known and to be fully loved at the same time. It is the joy of belonging through Jesus to God and being fully safe and fully free. It takes great inner freedom to be a follower of Jesus and to accept this invitation. His way is a vocation. It's an option, and we are totally free to say yes. But we do not have to do this to make God love us. That is already taken care of. Entering God's rest means we can stop trying to prove our righteousness over and over again. All we need is right here and right now. This is best expressed, I think, in a saying in the Islamic tradition, in which God says, 
I was a hidden treasure, and I loved to be known. And so I created the worlds, both visible and invisible. Once Jesus has invited us to experience God as the hidden treasure, he then offers to carry our burden, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come to me, all who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. What a surprise. Usually when people are gathered together for celebration or to learn or to work, they say to the strongest and the cheerful, Come here and join us. Join your strength with ours. Be your best selves. But about those people who are troubled, they say, No, we don't really want them along for the ride. They will only spoil the fun and hold us back. Truly, many troubled and depressed people understand this very well, and they don't need to be told. And so, many a troubled person perhaps stands apart and alone and will not participate with the others. But Jesus' invitation is for all those who are weary and are burdened, and it must be an invitation that surely applies to the troubled and sick as well as to the cheerful and strong. All of us. No one is excluded, not a single one. A little later in the Gospel of Matthew, at 12, 6, Jesus is, in, Jesus is identified as the builder of the temple, whose reign brings rest for Israel. Rest is the defining feature of the New Age that the death and, resurre- death and resurrection of Jesus Christ will bring. The idea is one of the future entrance of the whole community of saints into God's resting place, where the burden is light, a resting place which is where God celebrated God's own Sabbath since the foundation of the world. In the Hebrew Bible, in Genesis, it says God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. What would the world be without a Sabbath, a time to rest? God could have created the world in six days, and then at the end of the sixth day, God rests. But that isn't what it says in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, at the end of the seventh day, God rested. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Now isn't that confusing? Surely God created the universe in six days. In the Midrash, the ancient rabbis concluded that there was, in fact, an act of creation going on on the seventh day. Just as the heavens and the earth were created in six days, holy rest was created on the seventh. With the Sabbath, the universe was complete. God's seventh-day rest here weaves a seven-day rhythm into creation, anticipating later commands for Israel to rest on the Shabbat. And we find those requirements in Exodus and Deuteronomy. As Jewish philosopher and civil rights activist Abraham Heschel writes in his book on the Sabbath, 
He says the rest of the week is made holy, too, by its association with the Sabbath. He writes, The work on weekdays and the rest on the seventh day are correlated. The Sabbath is the inspirer, the other days the inspired. But the point is, God needs rest, too, and so has made rest a sacred time. All of God's creation, the animals and the plants, require rest as well. St. Francis, whom we remember today, had this unique ability to appreciate this truth. He had this ability to call others brother and sister, including the animals, plants, and the elements. He granted other creatures and things mutuality and dignity because he first could honor his own dignity as a son of God. Together, Francis and Claire, the woman who lived out his vision, shaped the spirituality of early 13th century Europe and were co-founders of one of the largest religious movements, the Franciscans. God says, I give you rest. Rest defines the Sabbath and what it means to live fully into the sacramental universe. The ancient rabbis write about the Sabbath. They say, in it you shall not do any manner of work, you or your son or your daughter, nor any manservant, nor any maidservant, nor your ox, nor your ass, nor nor any of the cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates so that your manservant and your maidservant may rest as well as you. Thus, rest is more than just an interlude, more than a time to recharge our batteries. Rest is not only something we do for our body and soul. It is a form of worship and a way to experience more of what Jesus wants for us. It is a profound, conscious harmony between humanity and the world a sympathy for all things, and a participation in the spirit that unites us, such that we are a beloved community, and such that all that is divine in the world is brought into union with God. God cannot be found out there in the world or the universe until God is first found in here within ourselves then we can almost naturally see God in others and in all creation, too. Finally, I ask you to ask yourself this. Is your toil ever really over? In other words, is it possible to do all your work in six days? If you're like me, the answer is no. The work is 24-7. It is never finished. It's never complete. I always have piles of papers on my desk and dishes in the sink. So the verse, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, might mean to convey this message. Rest on the Sabbath as though all your work was done. Rest even from the thought of labor. In the language of the Bible, the world was brought into being in the six days of creation. But its survival depends on the holiness of the seventh day. Amen.
the mustard seed this week is to practice rest. Take five minutes a day and clear your thoughts entirely. Rest your mind. Do not think of anything. Do not do anything. Just pay attention to your breath and rest thoroughly for five minutes. Have a great week. Trust and hope, we turn our hearts to God in prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good earth, and for the wisdom to live into our interdependence with all of God's creation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for the prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God, the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For deliverance from all violence, oppression, and degradation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good work of this community, may our roles be uplifted by one another as we do healing work in Isla Vista and beyond. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For all of these we pray. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. All that we have asked faithfully, grant that we may obtain effectually to your honor and glory. Amen. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying,
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.